Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Well, welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast, Church Next Division. This is your host, Dave Rhodes. I'm missing my co-host today, Shane Stacy. He is taking his daughter on a senior trip, so he's out of town this week, but I can't wait to introduce you to my special guest, Ben Hardman, who will be with us. Welcome, Ben. Hey, Dave. How are you? Yeah, so glad to have you here. A little uh, bit of background about Ben. Ben is a lead pastor at Grace Marietta. He also is the founder of Kingdom Dreams Initiative. Uh, We did some work back at 3DM. Ben has been a church planner. Uh, He's been helping churches with discipleship, mission, leadership. Uh, But today we're here to talk about uh, his newest venture, Kingdom Dreams Initiative, how that's informing his work as a pastor uh, at Grace Marietta, how he's helping not just Grace Marietta, but churches around the country really step into micro and marketplace. So we're going to get into that conversation in just a moment. But uh, before we do, Ben, it's just great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, I, I love what God is doing with your life. It's just been so fantastic to just have a front row seat to see what God's been been doing with you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's good to be here, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really glad about our conversation today because I think what we're talking about is something that is so important for pastors and church leaders as they think about the church of the future. Um, Because the church as we've known it in America um, is going to need to innovate and evolve a bit if we're going to really have evangelistic impact in the future and the things that you guys are doing at Kingdom Dreams Initiative, I'm really excited to introduce to our audience here because I I hope that every church leader will just take note of it. So before we even get into the conversation, tell us just a little bit about Kingdom Dreams Initiative um, and where people can find you beyond the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Short short version of that Mm -hmm. is uh, we run incubators and accelerators to launch pioneering missional projects Uh, And we do that in a four-month process uh, that is an incubation process. And we call it, uh, it's just simply a faith-based incubator for everyday people. And so our vision is to launch micro and marketplace projects that are pioneering and missional in nature. That could be a nonprofit, a for-profit, a microchurch, a ministry, all of those different things. And so we run a four-month incubation process that gets people from idea to launch. Yeah. Uh, and it's super, super fun. Like it's my favorite thing that I've ever done. I get to work with a bunch of dreamers who are launching new things. We get to craft it and build it and take things from the idea to to launch. Uh, we've got a pitch process in it where people like stand in front of an audience and share what they're doing. We've got a development process and a design process to help them build it. And lots of great coaches from all over the country in both the business world and the church world coming together uh, to create income and impact for people. Uh, and our website is kingdomdreamsinitiative.com. That's the best place to find us, or you can track me down on socials kind of in most places. I don't do TikTok. No TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> no, no problem, me either. <laughs> uh, so uh, in light for, for our audience, I know that um, with Leadership Network and Exponential, you were part of the ventures stuff that they do, and they were they actually invested in what you guys were doing a little bit. So 
Um, anything you want to say about about that? And just yeah, we were. I think we were in the first group that ever went through that. It was a it was a great experience. Got to meet some really amazing people, and are really grateful for that process. I think it's a really great process. Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out, Leadership Network doc, or leadnet.org um, if you want to get more involved in the Ventures Project. Well, with that said, uh, Ben, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation today. And I want to start in a little bit of a weird place, because when I think about you and who you are, uh, you've always struck me as a bit of a reluctant pastor. <laughs> and what, what I mean by that is a kind of love-hate relationship with this calling that God's placed on your life. Um, as that's been expressed, you know, in the past through leading churches. And, and you know, maybe that's because of uh, what people expect a pastor to be. Um, and, you know, you trying to deal with those expectations and who God's made you to be. So I, I want you to talk in a little bit uh, about that reluctancy uh, for a minute, because I think it will give us a, a little a snapshot as to why this innovation that you've created with Kingdom Dreams Initiative is so important and on your heart. So talk talk to me a little bit about that reluctancy that. Yeah, you know, just, don't, if I named just it don't tell my local church that I'm reluctant. I, <laughs> I love you guys. I love you very much. I actually uh, think reluctant leaders are some of the most powerful leaders that's uh, because they're not trying to do it uh, just for a position or power or those kinds of things. Yeah, I, I think there's probably three parts to that reluctancy. I, I think the first part would be, I really do have a passion for work that goes on outside of the church. And so I, I'm just not that enamored with gathering a bunch of people on a Sunday and doing a talk. I, I like to teach. I enjoy it. And you're, you're a great teacher. You're a great preacher. That's what Thank makes you, it David. so interesting that you're you know a little bit reluctant in the pastor. Kind yeah, of I like to do it. I, I, I just don't know that it produces the results that we believe that it does. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a discipleship guy at heart. And, and, and really, I, I, I want to see people discipled, not just in knowledge and wisdom, and, but, but I want to see people discipled in mission. Like, how do I actually go and make a difference in, in the real world? And, and so I, I think that's the first part. I, the kind of inside the walls, outside the walls piece. I, I always feel a tension in the church that 95% of my time has to be spent reacting to things that are going on inside the walls and responding to people who are already saved versus the 5% that I get to go pursue the things outside the wall. And, and I think that's caused reluctancy for me uh, and caused me to try and reevaluate that and figure out my life in such a way that I can be outside the walls of the church. Um, I think the second thing is that I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a shepherd teacher. Uh, and so I'm an apostle. Uh, when I take the APES test, like apostle is off the charts and everything else is real low. Like I, I apparently am not that deep. There's just one thing that's going on in me and it's ideas and dreams and vision and and so I've got five ideas before breakfast every morning about how to wreck the roof to get people to Jesus. Uh, I drive my team crazy because we're always chasing something new and trying something new. Uh, but I don't know that there's a playbook for apostle pastors. Uh, and I don't know that I've had a lot of models in my life of people who that's their lens that they see the world almost as like a spiritual entrepreneur. Uh, and so I think I've struggled sometimes in that of feeling like there's a mold that I need to live in, which is kind of that teacher, pastor, shepherd, evangelist piece that I don't feel is real strong in me. And then feeling my impulse, which is pretty, really 
off the charts apostolic, and then a little bit of prophetic kind of thrown in there uh, as well. Sometimes it's like that angry prophet. It's like that <laughs> that, uh, that that prophet that's just like we gotta do better than this, you know, those kinds of things. And so um, I haven't always felt like I fit the mold, which I think causes some of that reluctancy. And the third, like to be totally honest, is just I've. I've experienced some real hurt in the church, and and uh, I I think that we're we've done a we've done a disservice to many of our young leaders, and we've hurt a lot of young leaders because of our structure and because our care structures aren't there to care for young pastors. And you know, I I saw an ad for a, a church that was hiring a pastor the other day, and it was like. We need you to have a seminary degree. We need you to have 15 years experience. We need you to be the greatest preacher that's ever walked the earth. We need you to be a great shepherd. We need you to have written something that's been published. That's what it said in there, Dave. You would have loved it. And and then it was like, we'll give you (laughs) $40,000. And I'm like, come on, man. Like there there is that, that just stress that comes with pastoral ministry that's hard. And and so I feel like I'm constantly asking the question, can we do better with with our young leaders and can we develop them in a better way? Yeah, well, that kind of brings us to maybe a second place that we can press into because that, whether it's reluctance, frustration, tension, however we want to talk about that, um, as I've watched you, has has meant that you've been in several different kinds of places. You've been in megachurch, um, and you know, run that kind of show. You've been a church planner in the middle of a city, college campus kind of thing, and you kind of uh, been part of that whole deal from from the ground up. And now, you know, um, as you're part of the Grace family of churches at Grace Marietta, you're continuing to think with innovation for what church could be. Take us a little bit back into your background, mega church, church planner, you know, um, and and talk about how your your understanding of church has evolved over time. Yeah. Well, the first thing is I I love the church. And so I think part of my bouncing around to these different places is a real belief that we can do better, right? That there's that there's better opportunities and better chances. And that if we could be a little more innovative and not just fit in the box and the mold of what everybody else is doing, that there are ways that we could unleash some things, uh, not just in our people that we're shepherding and caring for, but in our country, right? I, I really do believe the church is, is, is still God's plan. And there's so much redemptive good that can come from the church. Uh, and so for me, over the past few years, I've just really recognized a couple things. One is, is that I felt like the, the messages that I was teaching were pretty disconnected to people's nine to fives. Uh, and so as creative as I was, and Dave, there it's so good, right? As creative <laughs> as some of those teaching series that we're doing and, and the things that we're pulling off, it, it all felt like I, I don't know that I'm helping the guy that's running a small business at three o'clock on a Monday when he's got a tough client interaction or has to fire an employee or all of those kinds of things. I just felt like there was a real disconnect from some of the conversations I was having on Sunday and then the conversations I was having in discipling relationships with a lot of our marketplace leaders. And so for me, I, I felt this burden of, I think we've got to figure out a way to disciple our people into the marketplace in a better way. Uh, and walk beside him. And so I, I was in this process of discipling a bunch of young leaders who were kind of business leaders in our church. And in that process, I just started realizing like, as I ask these questions about what are your dreams and what do you want to launch? 
And what does it take for you to do that? And why haven't you stepped into that? And when we start pressing into those things, the discipleship conversations completely changed because it wasn't about like, hey, there's this obscure Greek word in James that we have to evaluate. It was, well, I've got this thing going on with my wife that makes it really hard for me to step out into this. Or we've got these financial troubles that are really hard and it makes it more difficult for me to do this. Or I'm afraid. Like, I don't know that I have the capacity to do that. And all of a sudden, the discipleship conversation completely shifted from what's happening on Sunday and just examining scripture to like real life. It felt like Jesus, right? So Jesus's discipleship happened on the road. It wasn't something that was happening in a classroom. And I feel like the majority of our discipleship work in the church is happening in classrooms. It's happening in seminars and conferences in sermons uh, rather than actually preparing people to actually launch something on the road. Yeah. And how has your imagination for church evolved through that? I mean, like I said, you've been in all those different contexts of mega church, church planning. Tell me how God's shaping your understanding of what church. I, personally, I think what is church is going to be one of the major questions over the next five years. Yeah. Um, and so as your your evolution of church, how's that how's that affected your understanding of what church is? Yeah, well, I, I was a young guy in the mega church who thought church was me preaching in front of the largest audience I could possibly get in front of, and that it was you got to just preach and you just got to tell the story and you got to get out there and you got to spend thirty five hours a week on your sermon and uh, all of those kinds of things. And and uh, I I just I, I don't know that that produces the thing the the quality of transform at least my teaching doesn't produce the quality of transformation uh, that I thought it did. Um, and, and, and so my heart has always been for discipleship, getting outside the walls. And so I, I think the, the big shift that has happened to me is, is how do we take what we're doing on Sunday and allow it to influence and impact the rest of the week for our people? Yeah. And so how does this not just become, we've got to have the best show on a Sunday, uh, but how does it become something more significant than that? Yeah. And if we look through like church growth over the last, you know, 80 years or so, um, we, we take a look at the way that for, for many years, for probably 40 of those 80 years, uh, most of church growth was about getting people on our campus seven days a week. So we were building family life centers, you know, we we're building gymnasiums, anything we could think of to get people on our campus. Uh, then you have the kind of, you know, simple church revolution where it's like, hey, we're doing less stuff on our campus, not trying to get people on our campus. Then you've got maybe this move missional, which is, you know, the, the church moving out beyond the walls kind of pieces. Um, and, and so, you know, the evolution of the understanding of how church uh, thinks about what it does as an organization has moved over the years. Yep. Um, and I, I, like I said, I think I think we're moving into another expression of that in these next 20 years. And you talk about this. You wrote an article for us talking about three uh, shifts that changed everything. Yep. And you talk about this shift from uh, the, the focus, you know, moving to micro and marketplace. You talk about, you know, uh, what uh, what if the church had an R&D development kind of 
part of who it, who it was, and about reimagining uh, how we how we fund ministry. Those three shifts. So, if you haven't read the article, I want to encourage you to go back to leadnet.org, uh, read the article that Ben and his team wrote about those three shifts. But let's press into that specifically. Yeah. Uh, because I really want to want to focus, especially on you know us as an organized church, thinking about how we help marketplace leaders on that. Tell me about those shifts, and tell me you know which one of those was the hardest one for you to make as a pastor. Yeah, uh, I, I I think the hardest thing for me to do is it always feels like there's a takeaway and a leave behind when you step into something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like I was describing before, when ninety five percent of your time is placed in a certain area, you, you have to. And for me, we've got a, we've got a medium sized church, I guess. Uh, and, and so for us, it's, it's there. I had to either find someone who could cover a lot of the day-to-day things that are happening in the church so that I could go outside the walls of the church and kind of had to reimagine how we staff and how we manage our team. Um, and I had to help people understand my role as a pastor and that it was shifting from uh, I'm not going to be the traditional pastor who's going to be in his office from nine to five, just welcoming everybody in and 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 preaching on Sunday and, and doing all those kinds of things. I, I really want to be outside the walls. And so I think that focus on micro and marketplace was a challenge because some people felt left behind in that, right? So there's people that just wanted my care and wanted more time. And, and there's people that want me to, you know, do more classes at the church and 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 some of those things. So I think that was the trickiest shift. But I, I do think the future of the church is small. And I think it's in the marketplace. I think it's going to happen outside the walls of the church. Uh, I think COVID, COVID revealed a little bit that our structures of gathering are not as strong and don't bind us together as deeply as we as we thought they did. Um, but our structure of family and connection is still there. It's just not tied to a service. And so I, I, I'm still hearing, and I'm sure you are too, Dave, of just beautiful stories that came out of we had this disruption in our gatherings or in our structure, and that disruption, we tried something new, we innovated, and we, you know, we did the R and D thing, uh, and something good came out of that. That's still living in our church and still going in our congregation. And so, as I talk with pastors, a lot of them are saying. COVID revealed this, it caused us to innovate in this way. And then as we innovated, we realized we're, we actually struck gold here and found something new. And so I, I, I do think when we think about the church, and this comes both in our terms of funding, how we fund mission, and also just what we back and invest in and spend our time in, we, we wait for people to build their thing without our help. And so there's so many beautiful nonprofits operating in your city already. Uh, And most of our nonprofits, most of the nonprofit workers that we work with are really good hearted people who really have the desire to help and to serve and are really good at it. They've got some giftedness in caring and building structures and justice and social issues and all of these kinds of things. Uh, The challenge for them is they don't know how to create income to back that up. And so what we often do as the church is we just kind of wait to see who's able to break through and who's able to last the five-year mark. It's kind of like the church planning thing, right? We're going to fund you for three years. And if you get to 500 people, you're good. If you, if you don't get there in three years, you're done. 
which is really, we're just taking entrepreneurial stuff of in- investors and applying it into the church. And we're trying to 2X and 5X and 3X everything because the church loves scaling more than it loves discipleship. Uh, and, and so the question for us would be like, what if we funded things before they were started? What if we said, all right, I, I believe in my friend Dave Rhodes. He's brilliant. I think I think this next thing that he's going to start is going to really make a difference for a lot of people. And so we want to invest in that early on, and we want to give you funding, and we want to give you resources, and we want to connect you to relationships, and we want to help you build your dream. And so I think the biggest posture shift that needs to happen in the church is from pastors saying, I have a dream, come help me build my thing at the church. And you can sign up to be a volunteer in these, depending on the size of your church, five things or 5,000 things to saying, you have a dream. There's a kingdom dream. There's a good work that's been prepared for you in advance for every person that's in our congregation. And what if the church became the place where people discovered that good work, uh, not only discovered what it was, but then had a process of how to build it and how to ideate and how to create it and how to shape your world around it and had mentors and disciple makers around them building those structures Uh, And so that's what KDI birthed out of for us was we were running accelerators and incubators for business leaders in our church who we believed in and who we thought were going to launch kingdom projects. uh, And we we loved it and it was producing good fruit. And so we went public with it. Yeah, I I love that. I mean, all the stuff they're doing, the Kingdom Dreams Initiative was birthed in a local context with a local church. Uh, It was about helping their church get into the micro and the marketplace. Um, And then with the things that they were able to codify from doing that for a while, they're able to help lots of other churches do that, do that same kind of thing. Um, So uh, if you're interested in that, again, go to kingdomdreamsinitiative.com. You can find out more about the work and the help uh, that they that they provide, but Ben, you know, let, let's let's press in just a little bit uh, longer on this because I love, you know, we're we're talking theoretical. I'd love for you to share some stories, maybe one or two stories of what it looks like when the church intersects the micro or the marketplace, and what are some of those dreams that you've seen birthed in your church that have really helped reimagine what church could be. Yeah, we've seen some really fun stuff. So uh, just yesterday, we shot some videos uh, just around some of the stories of some of the ways that God's working. And one of those stories is a family in our church who's been around for a long time. We love them. Beautiful people have a really big heart for foster care and adoption ministry. And uh, they were realizing in our community, Marietta, Georgia, there is a real challenge for foster care kids that are um, graduating out of the foster care system and then have nowhere to go. They, there's no, there's no, there's nowhere in Marietta that that created any kind of transitional housing for coming out of foster care. And typically, if you're in foster care by the time you turn 18, uh, you've got some trauma, right? You, you've been through it. You've been in the system for a while. You've probably been bounced around from home to home. Uh, and this beautiful couple just loves teenagers. Uh, they have a heart for foster care and adoption. And uh, they've started a nonprofit. And that nonprofit is creating the first uh, transitional housing place for kids coming out of foster care in the Atlanta and Marietta area. And they've got so many stories of the ways that they're working with kids and blessing them and caring for them. It's a really beautiful thing. Uh, we've got, I mean, there, there's been a lot of fun things. And, and I think sometimes the the challenge is that we think 
in order to launch your kingdom dream, you have to quit your job, start some big company, you know, launch a nonprofit. Uh, some people are doing that. And I think it's beautiful. And I think God calls some of us to do it. But some of our most beautiful stories are people who are just saying, I've got three hours a week and I want to be missional with it. And so I want to imagine how do I use my three hours a week to serve others. And so uh, we've got a teacher who started a prayer ministry for teachers uh, and started just kind of at lunchtime. I'm going to pray for the rest of the teachers. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to give them cards. I'm going to connect them uh, with other places. And, and around grace, one of the things that we do is we pray for teachers at the beginning of the school year. And so this year, when we prayed for teachers, we had so many teachers that I'd never seen before who came up and were like, hey, we're just so grateful that your church has this prayer ministry for teachers. And it's not our church. It's not a program that we created out of our church. It's one sweet woman from our church who wanted to pray for other teachers and wanted to bless them and write cards for them and give them Starbucks cards and encourage them and all of those things. And so that's been happening. And so there's big things and small things. We've got people that have started businesses uh, and they're looking at how do I make my business a little more redemptive? Uh, we got a construction guy that just decided every project he does, they're going to work with uh, a nonprofit that they've started, which is around how they don't want any kid in Atlanta to sleep uh, on the floor. So there, we did. They had did some surveys and realized how many kids in Atlanta don't have a bed, uh, and they said that's not right. We're not we're not going to do that anymore. And so every project they do, a certain percentage of those dollars go to put people in bed so that children can have a bed to sleep in at night. Uh, and so for some people, it's, I've got an income idea and we're making money. Uh, it's how do I become, how do I, how do I create more impact and, and how do we, how do we become a little more redemptive? And then for others, it's, I think I have a really redemptive idea or we've launched our nonprofit. We just don't have any idea how to fund it. And so what we're able to do at KDI is connect people to people uh, in the business world who know how to build and scale businesses, who know how to create income and allow them to disciple them. And, hey, have you tried this? Have you done this? Here's some ideas. Here's some ways that you can fund the impact idea that you have. Yeah, I love those stories. And, you know, we could talk probably all day and you could keep telling stories of that. But what I love most about it is you're talking about all this ministry that's being done. And yet the organized church, so to speak, isn't responsible for running any of it. It's not on your strategy map as a church, so to speak. You're not just, you know, owning all these things. Instead, you're just facilitating a process that helps birth these things and then helps grow these things in a way that impact the world that would never show up necessarily on, uh, you know, here's all of our ministries from our church, so to speak, organizationally. Yeah, well, and and the beautiful thing about that, and this is where I would encourage pastors, is I would encourage pastors to start thinking about how do you fund dreams that are in the hearts of your people but haven't been lived out yet. Right. So, so think about the amount of dollars that we would have put in, and the time we would have put in, and the staff things we would have put in to build a foster care, a transitional housing for foster care. Like that would have become a huge undertaking for the church. It would have caused us to build a lot of those different things rather than just saying, 
hey, we want to come beside you. We want to help you. We want to support you. We want to take you through a process. We want to disciple you in this. Uh, and so it allows things to be launched, which that feels like the church to me, yeah. that are not programmatic, that we're not on our 1414 strategy line for the year, right. that are not a part of our five-year plan. It's just we're launching dreams. And so we talk about life signs a lot around our church, which yeah. which which is really what where are we seeing fruit? Where are we seeing signs of kingdom life lived out amongst our people? And one of those life signs for us is just kingdom dreams unleashed. Mm-hmm. Where are we seeing people who are like, oh, I, there's a good work that's prepared for me in advance. And I want to live into that. And I'm going from sitting out the missional game to actually stepping into it. And, and, and how do we start measuring some of those things and funding some of those things? Love it. Love it. Um, with with that, you know, we will want to wrap up here uh, on the, this edition of the podcast. And so um, would love for you just to kind of share, because I'm sure, you know, lots of pastors or leaders that would listen to this, you know, they, they I mean, most pastors I know, know they want to be in the marketplace somehow. They want their ministry from Sunday to affect the world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, kind of thing. Uh, but it can be a little intimidating. Um, maybe you might wonder what you have to offer there. Um, one of the things you're talking about here is this big shift from, you know, we can do it and you can help to you guys can do it and we can help. But honestly, some pastors may feel like I'm not sure that we have anything to bring to the table. Um, yeah, to this conversation. So what hope would you give to a pastor who says, yeah, I'm con- you convinced me. I know we need to be in the marketplace, but I'm just not really sure that I have anything to offer. Or our church has anything to offer marketplace leaders um, in a way that would be helpful. Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is find one. Right. You, you, it's it's that idea of I and and I do I, I get that question a lot. Like, isn't it weird for me as a pastor to go up to a business leader and say, hey, man, I want to help you with your business. And I would say, yes, that is weird. Like that probably is not unless they're coming and asking you for that. That probably is weird. But to go along beside someone and say, I believe in you. I see something in you that I want to I want to invest in, right? So many of Jesus's parables are about investment, right? It's it's like when you when you find the pearl of great price, you go get it. When you find the treasure in the field, you sell everything for it. You like like you you leverage everything for the things that are actually worth investing in. And so I think we've got a bunch of people in our churches that are hungry to be told by a pastor, "I see something in you that is worth my kingdom investment." And I want to invest in you. Uh, and, and then I think the second thing is just to leverage what you have for the sake of those people. Uh, and so I don't have to leverage what I don't have. I, I, don't, I don't know how to run a Fortune 500 company. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I barely know how to create income at all, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a pastor. I, I don't know how to do all of those things. Um, but it, it's like that silver and gold I do not have, yeah. uh, right? But but what I do have is is I have a lot of relational capital, and so I know a lot of people who do know how to do those things, and I can make those connections. Uh, I, I've got a lot of spiritual capital where I, I'm a good prayer. I can pray for you. I can walk beside you. I can disciple you. I can walk you through the challenges or the mindset things that you're going through, or some deep rooted sin or fear or brokenness. It's in your past that I can help you heal from. Those are all things that I can offer. And so you don't have to know how to run a giant business or how to 
write a performa or create a business model canvas for all of these things to happen. Um, gather some people in your church who know how to do those things and, and invite them to help you in the process. And the beautiful thing about that is some of the sharpest leaders in your church are waiting to be asked to do the thing that they're actually good at, which right. is making money. And we've never asked them to do that. We ask them to hold babies. We ask them to greet at the door. We ask them to give to our campaigns, but we never ask them to help people create businesses. And there's people in your church, that's that's like a spiritual gift. They can come alongside and they can see it and they can vision it and they can plan it and they can develop it and they can help people go from zero to launch. And so find some of those people and team up with you. So I, I think there's a really beautiful marriage that's possible between the marketplace world and the church world, because I think I think our marketplace leaders need more than just a conversation about faith and work. They need more than just an email in their inbox with a devotion once a week. Uh, they they actually want real people to walk beside them and they want to use their gifts for the glory of God. Like I'm amazed at how many marketplace leaders are coming to me saying, how can I help you? Like, how can we help you build this thing? Because we're so committed to seeing the church and the marketplace connected that they want to leverage their gifts for it. Uh, and so find some of those folks and yeah. start pouring into them and investing in them. And and I think something beautiful happens in those spaces where the pastor's not like knocking on their door, asking them to serve or give money, but is knocking on the door at, with a humble posture of saying, hey, will you teach me how to do this? Yeah. Teach me how to do a business model canvas. Yeah. Teach me like, uh, here's a great place to start. Gather a bunch of your business leaders together and say, hey, our church sits empty six days a week. Is there anything we could leverage in our church property that could create a secondary income for the church? Let them start dreaming about those kinds of things. And you'll be amazed at what they start to come up with and how they start to innovate and dream. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, curiosity and confidence as a leader. Um, and and if, I, if I could speak into pastors, I'd say most, most of us as pastors don't realize every business is either making disciples or has a discipleship problem. Yes. Call it discipleship. They call it development. All right. Uh, but it's really a discipleship problem or they're doing it really well. And we know Jesus is the best developer. He's the best uh, disciple maker. So the skills that we have as pastors and leaders actually do bring relational soft skills to the table that lots of businesses need help with. Again, they're not going to call it discipleship. And by the way, my experience has been most business leaders, you know, aren't against Jesus. They're against proselytizing. So as long as you're not proselytizing, you can use the ways of Jesus to introduce people to Jesus in the posture of development and discipleship that, you know, the businesses will actually even pay you to make disciples of their people uh, because they're into productivity. And they know too many times all their energy is bent for delivery, not for development. And so I think what you're tapping into is really important here. I think it's crucial for the church as we make disciples um, in the world. I think it's important for the way that we reimagine church. And I'm so thankful for the time that you've given us today to just begin this conversation. Thanks, Again, Dave. Uh, one more time, Ben, if people want to get uh, in touch with you, they want to continue this conversation, where can, they, where can they do that? Yeah, beyond my TikTok account, it is uh, <laughs> kingdomdreamsinitiative.com. Uh, and then you can track me down on LinkedIn or Facebook or that's about it. Instagram, maybe. Well, thank you so much again, Ben. Thank you guys for listening to the Leadership Network podcast, Church Next Division here. 
Uh, I want to also raise your awareness uh, for the uh, next ventures project. If you're a business leader or you're a pastor and you've got an idea, um, Leadership Network is constantly doing the same thing they did for KDI, helping to launch next ventures um, and wanting to invest in that. If you're a pastor who wants to get involved in that or a leader who wants to get involved in that, go to leadnet.org and take a look at the next ventures kind of project there. So again, thanks for tuning in. This is Dave Rhodes and Ben Hardman signing off. And uh, we hope to see you again on a future Leadership Network podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.